morning, everybody. Right there, right about there. All right, excellent. It's good to see everyone. There's room, there's room up here if y'all, a little bit more anointing up here just in case y'all want to come up here. You kind of get a leftovers back there. It hits everybody and just kind of filters through, and then you kind of get the leftover anointing. I, mean, I think you want, you want to come more up here, start to practice. We're not, we're not Baptists, so there should be no back row going on back there. Come on. <laughs> might be Baptist in your heart. It might get you saved to come to the front a little bit. <laughs> hey, did you get one of these right here? It's our new little uh, message series booklet that we're, we're trying to work and, and, and grow you guys and grow with you guys. And so... We know that there's no way that you can get the full impact of what God wants to say to you during one message on the Sunday morning. And so we were preparing these, making these for you so that you can go back throughout the week, review, study. But you you can also look at the verses and kind of guesstimate what what we're going to be talking about the next week so that you can begin to lean into and dive in. So you're doing your work, plowing the spiritual field so that God can speak to you even more clearly because that's ultimately the goal, right? We, we went through our last series called Comms On. We were preparing you and teaching you how to hear the voice of God and work through some filters that are in your heart and work out those, the, 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 the clogs, you know, uh, that get in your heart, the pollution, the distraction, the immaturity that, that's there and then becoming a prepared, having a prepared heart so that you can hear God clearly That's the goal for every one of God's children. He says, my sheep hear me. They know my name. They they, they know when I call. They they follow me. And so that's what we want. How does that that met out? How does that flesh out? And so we're growing in that, but we need to, we have to do our part. Like every one of us have to do our part. You can't depend on me to just do it for you, right? So I'm teaching, I'm leading, I'm coaching, I'm equipping. And so I'm, I'm giving you even more of this. So if you will, write your name. Because I know, I know some of you, you're going to leave it behind. And you're like, oh, where did I do that? You, like, you leave your Bible. I'm wonder, wondering how, you know, you leave your Bibles behind. I'm like, how do they grow spiritually? I guess you're like, well, it'll be there when I get, like, Jesus. Jesus will be back in the church when I get back Sunday. So <laughs> I'll see him again Sunday. <laughs> he wants to go with you. You, you know, the, you, maybe you grew up in the church. I did, where somehow the pastor was speaking, he was ending prayer, and then all of a sudden he was also greeting you at the, at the door as you were leaving, like, how did he do that? Like, uh, he was just on the platform, now he's at the door. And so and, and many of you are thinking, like, Jesus is like that, like, shaking your hand on the way out, good luck, good luck, see you next week. I've been out there, it didn't work out well for me. Jesus on the cross, out in the public. We're going to work through it. <laughs> yeah, where's, that's when I need it. That's when I need it. All right. Well, we have a video for you, something cool that we've been doing that you've actually been doing. Again, hey, for, for real, write your name on this. Uh, we, we, you have been doing, as you've been purchasing the, the coffee from the, uh, the cafe, Thrive Cafe over here, you know, a portion of that we give back to the plantation where we actually buy the beans and we have a ministry partner there that's helping us. We also give a portion of that to an orphanage there in the middle of Copan, Honduras. And so uh, on, on September 10th, it was the day of, the, of kids, and the, a little kids day in, in uh, Honduras. And so we together with our ministry partner in Honduras went and delivered a lot of packages to the students that we go and minister to when we go on a mission trip to Honduras. By the way, we're going March spring break, 13th through the 19th-ish in 2022, but we 
we gave to these students that we ministered to uh, last month gifts that the resources, the finances came through our coffee shop, which is really cool. Such, such, so much purpose in that coffee shop, Thrive Cafe right there. But let me show you what you guys did through just being able to enjoy some awesome words, drinks. Um, and to describe how grateful the teacher was, and she told me so many things I didn't even know. Some of these kids, um, it's the first time, you know, they have ever received something as a gift, and they are very, very happy. Those are the words that she described, and that's what we saw. And uh, we personally have to thank you as well for your big heart and your community as well that contributes. Um, and we're personally completely satisfied, and we just love it. We love what we did, and we, lo and we love um, everything that um, is meant for them is what really fills us. Yeah, there you go. So, so what he was saying was he, he learned some things. He, like his, his family owns the plantation that they live nearby, and they, many of the parents work, and the, the school is nearby there. He learned a lot of things, and one of those were that the students, the, the parents and the teachers told him that a lot of these kids have never received anything from anyone. Like, never received a gift. Isn't it, isn't it amazing that we get to, in, in our comforts, and there's no shame and guilt in this, but get to enjoy some amazing coffee and drinks, and, and, and yet we're in the doing so, we're providing gifts to kids who have never received anything in their lives. That's awesome. It, what, aren't we blessed? We are so blessed. And Scripture says that we are blessed to be a blessing, and you guys are being a blessing as you are visiting Thrive Cafe. And so whenever you heard the very end, he said, gracias, trive. And so in, if you're using the vowels in Spanish, it would sound like trive, but they're saying thrive. Thank you, thrive, <laughs> at the end of it. And that was all of them recorded saying that. That's just so cool. I love it. And so uh, moving forward, as Camille was talking about, Love Thy Neighbor on October 31st, there is a QR code on our livewithpurpose.church website. It's livewithpurpose.church slash events. And then as you go towards the bottom, there is a QR code that will tell you there will be no services in this building on October 31st, which is a Sunday, by the way, and it's Halloween, but several churches, we got, we've got together, decided and planned that we're going to do a corporate service at the Kane Center, and then we're moving outside during the day. We're going to be cooking, we specifically are going to be cooking a lot of barbecue and, and, and handing it out for free. We're busing in a lot of the uh, apartment complexes, in fact, every apartment complex, we're going to have an hourly bus exchange going to the apartments, coming to the Kane Center, and then different neighborhoods in, in the city as well. And so that's going to be on rotation, a lot of events going on out there, but it's going to require a lot of people, a lot of help, a lot of, a lot of you go team members, a lot, of, a lot of your hearts to just come in and help and serve the community. Our whole goal is to just relationally evangelize people that are far from God and help them to get to know the church. 
that good? Because we are the church, this building is not. This building is what facilitates what the church uses to grow, to be equipped, so that we can do such things as this to go out and bring change into the community. What happens is, through influence and relational equity, people have a longing, the Holy Spirit begins to say, okay, I can trust you with hurt souls and lost souls, and he brings them here to where we love them, and we work every one of these ministries that our GO teams are a part of, and we're all working together as the body of Christ to bring a healthy environment, people into a healthy environment, so that they too can hear, experience the Holy Spirit, hear from Him, and their lives be changed. Isn't that amazing? What a great, what a great operation for the kingdom of God. And so that's I really, this is, not a, this is not a holiday church day where, oh, great, we're not meeting. I get to stay home in my PJs, and maybe I'll watch something else and much... A Scooby-Doo spooky story. No, this is where the church goes outside of the walls and still gathers corporately, okay? Amen. I'm going to take a picture and make sure I see all of your faces on that Sunday. All right, so we're moving into our new message series. We haven't abandoned the previous one. We really need it because we need to know that we're hearing the voice of God and how to hear the voice of God. If you missed it, go back to version. I'm sorry, YouTube, and check out the, the videos. Go to Facebook. You can check them there. But we're talking about pain, from pain to purpose, moving and living from pain to purpose because so many of us are carrying pains, have endured pains. We know pain. But we're trying to figure out, well, how does purpose ever work in my life, in my pain, in my situation? How will that ever happen? And so there's several tests that God shows in his word that he takes us through to hopefully, hopefully, again, like Delaney was saying, God has given us free will. And we get to choose if we're going to follow him or choose our own path, our own direction. But hopefully, through these 10 tests that God reveals in Scripture, he shapes us, molds us. And as an act of our will, we choose to come, become humble to his voice, to his ways, to his statutes, to his commands. And then we begin to work with him. In fact, he begins to do the work through us. But that first test is the blessed test of the pride test. The pride test, the one he really begins to hit home on the heart, the deep heart issues, the areas of, of shaping, because with, with, with a proud heart, it's hard for his, his presence, his flow, his voice to really flow through because there's so much of us still in the midst of what he wants to do. And so humility has to be formed and shaped, and, and, and we actually have to actively choose humility in the midst of everything, and we can avoid a lot of pain through that. For so many of us, Satan authors pain when we are young. We go through life situations, we go through difficulties, we go through, through struggles and trials, and, and a lot of times it's from the people and with the people and maybe towards the people that are closest to us. And yet still, God finds a way to reveal a bigger plan, a bigger dream, a bigger purpose that he has for us. Now, you got to understand the foundation has been set from pain, and so our perspective is, is, is from struggle and trial and hurts and wounds. And when God begins to shine his light of dream and purpose and bigger things, our paradigm from which we see things are like, yeah, right, how's that ever going to happen? I'm all messed up, or but I can't do that because of what so-and-so so said to me or did to me or what these people have done. 
And so we start owning those things rather than leaning into what God has said and is saying and revealing and showing and saying, you know what? In the midst of all the pains, God is saying this. And then some of us yet we believe that uh, the lie that we have to make God's plan come to fruition. Like, I, like I've got to, with ambition and drive and my own will, begin to cause all things to work together rather than allow all things to work together. And so there's a shift. There's these two unhealthy paradigms that we carry. So I'm gonna, we're going to break this down over the next several weeks, and then we're going to use the story of, of, of Joseph in the midst of all of this. In Genesis 37 is where we start the story. We'll continue it as we go. But now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Jacob was Joseph's father. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah. Now, it says his father's wives, but here's what the reality is. One of them was Rachel's maidservant, and one of them was Leah's maidservant. Both Rachel and Leah were Jacob's wives. They were sisters as well. It gets really weird. You think you've been through some pain. And so Jacob also has children with Leah's maidservant and Rachel's maidservant. And I'm sure they are very attractive. Zilpah and Bilhah. Anybody looking for names in case you got a baby on the way? (laughs) And And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Listen, this is called tattletale. Joseph brought a bad report about his, about his siblings already. Anybody had a, anybody a younger child in your family and you, you used to tattletale on your, on your brothers and sisters? Yep, yeah, yeah. And did that work out well for you? Did they just say, I, I love that you did that. That was wonderful. Thank you for doing that. Now, Israel, who is actually Jacob, Jacob, God changed Jacob's name to Israel, and that's where we get the nation of Israel, all the people who came through Jacob, the descendants are the people of Israel. We would know them as Jews, but they were, they were, his name was Jacob, now Israel. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. He was like, yeah, I still got it. I love that boy right there. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now, Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. Like, they hate this kid. They're envious of him. And he's going to go arrogantly and say, hey, I got a dream, and I want to tell you what it is. Let's, let's check it out. So he said to them, please hear the dream which I have dreamed. Dreamt. Dreamed. There, were, well, there we were, binding sheaves in the, in the field. Then, behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. I mean, he's smart. And his brothers said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then then he dreamed still another dream like he's messing it up like you've got to be arrogant and proud to think that everybody wants to hear your dreams over and over when they already hate you (laughs) and then he told him another dream he said look i have dreamed another dream and this time the sun the moon and the 11 stars bowed down to me so he told it to this to his father and his brothers 
And now his father rebuked him. Boy, that, that hurts. That hurts. And said to him, what is this dream that you have dreamed? So, shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Interesting. His father kept the matter in mind when he said, mm, maybe, but I don't know. But he had rebuked him, and his brothers hated him three times over. So you could see how a little pain would start to begin to develop inside of a young man's heart, especially when he continued to put himself in ignorant situations. And I mean ignorant as a lack of a knowledge, lack of knowledge of, of a better way of handling a situation. What, he was dealing with a lot of pride in his heart. Now, in this story right here, Joseph is 17. Now, he would begin to walk in his fullness. He would walk in his fullness in front of Pharaoh at 30. Look at, look at Genesis 41, 46. It says, Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh. And so he began to do a lot in there in Egypt. We'll get to that. I don't want to spoil it. But from 17 to 30, there was a great work that had to take place. And so from 17, 17, all the pain and the hurts, the hatred, the, the rebuking, yet the dream, the calling, the purpose had been revealed in the midst of all of that. And yet at 30, 13 years later, he finally starts to walk in some of this fullness. Well, what took place in that 13 years from 17 to 30? That's what we're going to drill down on because it's likely you're somewhere in that, that space of what was Joseph's 17 to 30. So I want to identify 10 things as we go so that you can begin to, with the Holy Spirit, pinpoint some areas where you can not feel guilty or shame, but find a, an aha moment for growth, for development, for betterment, for, to develop where, you're, where you are in your spiritual journey. But number one is this, God has a dream for you. You, you must know that God has a dream for you. And even in your deepest pain, God has a dream for you. In the, most, the, the darkest of hurts, the wounds of wounds, when you think, how could I ever be better? How can anything ever work out for me? God has a dream for you. Look, look at this in Numbers 12, 6 and 8. It says, then he said, Hear now my words. This is Jesus. This is God. And he says, if there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, might make myself known to him in a vision. In a vision. And I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. Oh, he is faithful. I want you to check out this. He's faithful in all my house. Not one little bit of space, but he's faithful in everything. I speak with him face to face, even plainly and not in dark sayings, and he sees the form of the Lord. So if you want to get to know what God's dream is for your life, you need to get to know God. And you, you need to get to know the God who has created a good work for you well before you ever came into existence. Ephesians 2.10. God created a work, a purpose, a dream something that was very important for this gap in eternity that he knew was going to be, going to be uh, ever so, ever so, uh, I can't even find the word, important for what was going to come. Ever so strategic, ever so, uh, such a, an ingredient 
to the fulfillment of his eternal purposes, he created a good work, and then he created you. It really begins to draw an impact because the only way we're going to discover what that thing is is if we get to know God himself. And the closer we get to God himself, the more he begins to reveal things as he would with Moses, like a friend, face to face. So get to, you got to get to know the God who will reveal it and fulfill it. He'll reveal it. He'll, re, he'll fulfill it. This is not in your notes, 1 Thessalonians 5.24. You can just put 1 Thess 5.24. You can re- research it later. But it says, faithful is he who calls you. He also will do it. Faithful, if he's called you to do it, we don't have to effort it enough. We don't have to flesh it out enough. Ambition will never get us there. And neither will worry. In my darkest and my most deepest struggles of times, when it starts to get really, really challenging in my understanding, God always reminds me of this verse, faithful is he who calls you. He'll do it. But my only, my only responsibility is to remain in, in him, stay connected to him. And it, what that is, there are difficult times, is an invitation to get to know him on a more personal level at that space, that place in my pains, in my hurts, in my brokenness, in my lack of understanding so that he can give understanding. So the children of Israel, they knew his acts, but Moses knew him. He knew, they, he knew God. So you get to know God, and he will begin to speak to you plainly face to face. He spoke to Moses face to face. And remember, Jesus said, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. So God has a plan for every person here, but we also have dreams of our own. And a lot of times, our own dreams, embracing them so tightly, are clouding us from being able to see and hear the dreams that God has for us. And these are called ambitious dreams, selfish dreams. And these dreams are dreams that have to be laid down because they're hurting you, they're keeping you from the fullness of what God has for you, and they're likely hurting people around you. Some dreams are driven by this selfish ambition. Number two is this, don't brag about your dreams. Don't brag about about the dream. The dream leads you to God's destiny, and if you brag about it, you'll never fulfill the destiny God has for your life. You'll never fulfill the destiny on your life for as long as you're bragging about it. It's one one thing to intimately share the details with someone for accountability, for prayer, because you're going to need that along the path of walking in the calling towards the purpose, because when things get difficult, when it's not as easy as you thought it was going to be, When the times of testing start to come, the tendency for humanity and our flesh is to want to pull back, lean back, let go, walk away from, and think, oh, that must not have been God's plan for my life. When actually, it very well could be, but God is sending you through some of these 10 tests to work some stuff out of you, and you're going to need that partner to pray with you and to hold you accountable. It's like, no, 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 no. Remember. This is what God says, and this is how he confirmed it, and this is how he reconfirmed it. Now it's time to let the heart work be done. So there's one thing. But <laughs> there's also another one where, where, where you'll, some people come up and they'll say, hey, you know what, Pastor, Pastor Cass, I'm not sure. I doubt this has ever happened to you. Pastor, let me tell you what God has called me to do, which often is followed with, and if you don't let me do it in this house, I'm going to find somewhere else to do it. That's not calling. 
That's selfish ambition. That's my dream. That's my purpose that I want for my life. And I'm going to find a place that's going to make room so I can do whatever I want to do. But you don't have to do that. You don't need to boast about it to me. You just, you just need to be faithful in all of God's house like Moses was. And if you're faithful in all of God's house, he will reveal it and he will then make room for it. Can I get an amen? And he does. It's his promise. It's his words. I'm giving you scripture. Scripture says, too, that Joseph's brothers hated him even more for his dreams and his words. Would you shut up, he says. They can't stand him. You ever been in a place where people just didn't really like you for your words? Didn't like you for your dreams? Didn't, didn't really want to hear what you had to say? The first test is the pride test. It's the pride test. So Joseph immediately muffed the pride test. And you know what the beauty about God is? He, he doesn't fail you. He's, he's not a father that will ever put an F on your paper. He just gives you another opportunity. Here's another test. Here's another test. Here's another, t- yet another chance. Hey, you, you, did, you just didn't, you just missed it. Here's another one. Here's another opportunity. God, what he's doing is he's trying to figure out at what place, he's trying to reposition you continually to give you an opportunity to figure out at what place are you actually gonna let go of your pride and at what place can I put you in a position to start to grow and meet you there so that now we can start to work on your heart and your pride and cause some humility so that I can actually grow you so that you will know that it's not you doing it, that it's me doing it through you. And sometimes we start up here and we end up way down here and, and we blame everybody else, but we never deal with the issues of our heart. Some of you, did anybody ever go to summer school? Summer school, anybody? Summer school? Oh, hey, hey. Some of the greatest people in the world went to summer school, didn't they? And by the way, there's nothing wrong with getting C's and B's. Studies show you work harder, for, you know, work harder in life. Give me some C's and B's. But I played golf with a friend recently, and uh, he was reminding me, telling me about a story, his experience in high school. We went to the same high school, and, you know, Sports is, sports is king, and so you, you didn't really have to go to your class if you didn't want to. You just go tell your coach, hey, coach, I'm not doing well. This is, and you go talk to my teacher, and te- coaches would go talk to your teacher, and they'd pass you. And you isn't that great? Like, isn't that wonderful for your, for your life in the future? And so, and so the, co- the, the teacher, history teacher, was giving this guy a 70s, just pa- barely passing him, just a 70, 70, 70. And at the last, last six weeks, he comes up to him, and he says, son, I'm going to do you a big favor. And I'm going to teach you a life lesson. And he gave him a low enough grade that it caused him to fail the, fail the whole semester. So he had to take summer school. And guess which teacher was, in, was teaching summer school? The history teacher. That's right. That's right. And, and, but actually, that blesses you. You know, people, people making things easier for you does not bless you. People doing things that, that, are, that are actually going to cause you to miss growth moments, that's not going to bless you. Sometimes it's those hardest things that we feel like we're going through, the most challenging moments, the difficult. When we think people are against us and God's really using them to bless us, those are the moments that we grow the most. Those are the moments that bless us the most. And on the outcome, the other side of the whole thing, those are the moments we look back and say, thank you, God, so much for that individual. I didn't like them in the middle of it, but I I sure am thankful for the outcome of what took place after the fact. But here's the deal. So many of us are still mad and we haven't overcome the very lesson that was being taught that many years or decades ago. And we're still waiting for somebody to hand something to us. Mm. 
So we need to stop bragging. There's a lot of pride in all the bragging. God is looking for humble hearts that he can mold, that he can mesh out, that he can begin to do a work with, that are willing to do what he's actually saying in his way, that are, that are realized it is not of me and it is not in me and there's no way I could do this. It's all God. And so for some people to stop bragging, though, you're, you're going to have to stop talking. <laughs> like... You know, like, like they say, when your mouth's moving, they're lying. But when your mouth's moving, you're bragging. Like you can't help to say something about yourself. And, and I understand some people, they think, they, they, they talk and then they think. And some people, they, they think and then they talk. Me, I kind of talk as I'm, I'm thinking. I process my thoughts out loud. But some people, like they just don't think. Like I just, I never think about anything I say. I just, I just say and, and, and remember what Scripture says about a man who speaks many words. So, uh, speaking of which, Allie and I, when we were first married, um, we, <laughs> yeah, Amen. yes, you know, <laughs> ooh, there's a lot to, I, I just only got so much time though. Uh, when, we, when we were first married, Allie would say that I was arrogant and proud, I, would, I, I couldn't see it, but, <laughs> but, but I would say, man, she's demonized. Man, I don't know what God did. With it. it was a trick, a plant from Satan, from the evil one. <laughs> Snuck up on me. And, and, and you know, we, we would have these arguments, tiffs. You probably never have these in your marriage, but we would have these disagreements and, and, and we would not allow one another to talk or we would be talking over one, one another consistently, continually, basically just trying to win a fight that didn't even matter. Is that resonating with anybody? Well, it, what it happened to be was our insecurities. We had a lot of emotional wounds, our insecurities and pride that was actually destroying our lives. It was destroying our, our, our marriage. And God wasn't in it. But I got reprimanded. Reprimanded. I, I remember my pastor. I was on staff somewhere, by the way. And, and uh, my pastor set me out. It was actually in October. I don't know, seven, eight, nine, time passes, maybe 10 years ago. And I remember him saying, hey, Nathan, we're going, to, we're going to just sit you down for a little bit. You just, need to, you just need to rest. You just need to be there. You just need to, you need to, you need to be checked out a little bit. And it, it burned me up inside because I'm such a servant, such a doer. I'm, I want to lead. I want to be a part of it. I want to be, I want to be helping call the shots. But we're, in reality, God was setting me aside to humble my heart a little bit. Because if you continue on this path, here's what you're going to lose. And not only that, you're going to lose your marriage. You're going to lose your opportunity that you have right here in this setting. And then that, the, the midst of that month, God was working on me. I was going through the pride test. And this wasn't the first time I've gone through the pride test. I went through a pride test very similar to this before I went into ministry, when I actually received the calling that one day I would be going into ministry. I was going through a major pride test, complete life overhaul. But for me, that second test was doing a great work because I was in the middle of the process of calling to purpose. Purpose was developing, but that wasn't the fullness of my purpose. And God was continually taking my heart through this pride test. And so the, the tests cycle. Sometimes you would think, well, good, good. I passed the test. I won't have to deal with that anymore. Oh, yes, you will. Oh, yes, you will. And if you want to know why other people around you are fulfilling their God-given purpose and you aren't, you might need to fulfill this pride test. One way is to stop bragging. We only brag because pride is in our hearts. Look at this in Matthew 
12 and 34 says, for out of the abundance of our heart, the mouth speaks. Like this little thing right here is going to show everybody what's going on in this space right here. If it's coming out here, it's in here. Matthew 15 and 18 says, but the things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart and they defile a man. So the mouth will always reveal what's, you can't hide a thing in your heart, especially a proud person. Oh, it's going to find its way out. The greatest ground of preparation for connecting to purpose is allowing God to deal with the heart and finding co-labor, uh, co-laboring with him. Okay, Lord, I, I see you're trying to identify some things in my heart. I'm not going to act like it's not there. I'm going to co-labor with you. We're going to get rid of this thing. It's got to go. Pride always has to be or wants to be heard. Pride always gives its opinion even when it's unnecessary or inappropriate. You ever been around in a circle and maybe you're this person? You, you, you just have to be heard. Like you're, 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 the, the solution's already been found and yet you want to still chime in and give your little opinion where we're past that. Like we've moved on. Like it, it, it's over. It's, and even what, it's inappropriate even what you're saying. It's such unnecessary. But pride has to be heard. And, and pride also loves to, be inter- love, loves to interrupt. When you ever just speak over a, a person, they're, they're sitting there talking, and they can't even finish talking, and you're already interrupting and speaking over them. That's pride. That's pride. So we have to deal with this issue, or we will never fulfill God's purpose on our lives. But now remember, Joseph had an, a heart issue even before he got the dream. And the heart issue caused a lot of pain for his life. The pain was brought on by his brothers and his father, but the people, which were the people closest to him, but, Jesus, but Joseph's heart was already full of pride. He was already tattletaling. He was already, in tattletaling, you're saying they're bad and I'm not. He was already trying to exalt himself above others. And so his tattletaling got, made it to where his brothers said could not speak peaceably to him. So then God gives him a dream. They hate him already. They're envious of him because of his position and their, their father's heart. He, he gives them a dream. They hate him even more. He gives them another dream. They hate him even more. The dude is continually muffing the tests of God. And so Joseph's purpose, though, get this, within the dream was not to get his family to bow down to him. That was not his future. His purpose was to save a multitude of people. His purpose was to be God's vessel to preserve mankind, to find more favor with the lost world, and to be an influence for the children of God. But God used another picture to lead him on the path of discovering his purpose. Joseph's purpose was that hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, would be saved in the midst of all of this. So question, why didn't God give Joseph the dream showing that he would be saving a multitude of people? Answer is this, because that doesn't motivate people when they are proud and immature in the Lord. What does motivate people when they are proud and immature in the Lord is that they will have, they will have a great presentation. They will, they will have power. They will have a great amount of people following them. They will be known. They will be successful. They will have position. You see, God uses that picture to create an interest so that you'll begin to follow him, lean into him, or what happens in an unhealthy way, in an immature heart, we try to start making things happen, and that's where we get to the place where if it can't happen here, then I'm going to go find a place to make it happen. 
And all the, while, all the while, God is saying, I've got so much more for you. If you just lay down that dream, I will pick it up for you, and I will begin to make this thing happen. But it's going to be for my purposes and my kingdom. Amen. Amen to that right there. So God was using Joseph's pride and immaturity to grab his attention for God's later purpose in his life that wouldn't be fulfilled unless he was on the journey that God had called him into. And yes, God may give you influence, and one day I believe that is his desire, to give you influence, but that influence that he is giving you, it belongs to him, and it is used and supposed to be used for his purposes and to bring people into his kingdom. Is it possible? Secondly, this, God could have given him this dream because it would reveal what's actually in his heart. And is it possible that God has given you a dream to begin to reveal what's in your heart? So the stuff that starts to come up and the way that you react out of it, respond out of it, and you begin to live by it is starting to reveal what's really going on in your heart that begins to show you, here's where I am, here's where you are, and then God begins to deal with you and takes you, taking you through these little pride tests. Hear me, the pain from your past years in life are not from God, but God uses that pain. And the dream that God has given you is not the same as his purpose for your life. The dream or calling simply starts us on a path to maturity so that we can handle the purpose that God has for our lives. Let me add this. If you can't humbly carry the calling, that's the beginning of this whole thing. If you can't humbly carry the calling, then you can't handle the ultimate purpose. If you can't, handle, if you can't humbly handle the dream, then the fulfillment of this destiny will destroy you. You can cheat your way through and you can get past one or two of these tests, but eventually you're gonna, God's going to put you in a place of responsibility that the character that you've stolen to get there won't sustain you because it's not really your character at all. And God is so gracious and gentle with us. God, so God uses the dream to draw out and reveal the pride inside so he can get it out of us so that you will be able to handle the destiny that he, that he has for your life. Number three is this, deal with the root of pride. Any ever, anyone ever not deal with pride? Good deal, no hands, that's really good. I, I like that. No one said, yeah, never, deal, never had an issue with pride. <laughs> that guy's proud. So, <laughs> but how many, though, I mean, how many of us have dealt with it actually more than once? Yes, uh, we've all, right? We've dealt with it more than once because these things cycle. And at every level of responsibility, there's a new test of pride. Every level of, of moving forward towards the ultimate purpose that God has for our life, he's the one that gives us opportunity. He's the one that gives us more responsibility. But what it does, it begins to reveal more insecurities that are in our heart. And the root of all pride is insecurity. And so many of us are trying to deal with the root, I'm sorry, the fruit rather than the root. We think, well, if I can just stop talking, then I will deal with the issue of pride. No, that pride is going to manifest and it's going to find a way out. So what we have to learn to deal with is deal with the insecurities that are causing the pride. Because the most insecure people that you see, the most proud people that you see are the most insecure people inside. It, it's, an, it's an overcompensation for the insecurities that are in our hearts. So we got to get rid, uh, rid of the root of pride. Rid of the root of pride. So 
the, the most, okay, so, the, so this is why we actually need whole, he, uh, healing in our souls. I'm trying to run through it real quick. The Freedom Conference, that's why we have Freedom Conference. That's why we have Thrive Tribes. That's why we need to meet together with other people that are on the same journey that we believe God has us on because that's how we begin to grow. We begin to take off this mask. Humility starts to set in because we kind of get to this place where, oh, other people know my junk now. And I can't fake it till I make it anymore. And that's what we've been trained to do. I can't, I can't just act this thing to the top. And now, now there's people that really know what's going on in my heart. And now I've really got to allow God to do a heart work. You see, the people around you, they're not trying to do a work on you. They're, they're, they're not trying to shame you. They're trying to guilt you. They're asking for the same help that you're asking for. And everybody in the group is asking for accountability, for love, for, the, for, for prayer in order to move things forward in their own lives, for their own families, for their own business, for their own journey of life. And, and the, the, the lie of pride is to say, if you ever let anybody know, they're going to reject you. Why? Because that spirit of rejection is leading, and that spirit of rejection entered in when you were a child and going through all the pains, when your father rebuked you, when your, when your brothers hated you. That's why I'm talking. And those things that we're embracing more than the purpose and the dream and the calling of God on our lives are keeping us from walking in the fullness and fulfilling the destiny that God has created us for. And so we have to learn to lean more in the confidence of Jesus and what he can do than our own confidence. Let me say it this way. We have to learn to trust more in the confidence of what Jesus can do, will do, and wants to do than we do in our own insecurities. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you this morning. Because I don't think anybody here wants to live a life not fulfilling the destiny on their lives. Tonight we have next steps, and I want to encourage you to sign up for that. 6 p.m. If you haven't got plugged in, it's a path to purpose at Thrive Community Church. It's a path to you being molded and shaped and God using loving people around you to help you and shape with you and develop with you and alongside you to, to hopefully we all take off the mask in life and we all start to grow a little bit and start to humble up a little bit and let go of the prides of life. And we allowed his testings to just flow through us. And thankfully, we have people around us that love us and want to pray with us and are on the same track desiring to grow in their purpose of life. But it all starts with knowing, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Because when I know what the Holy Spirit is saying to me, that becomes the beacon of light that gives me guidance to navigate through all of these tests that will try my heart, will prove my heart, will reveal what's in my heart. And hallelujah for that. Because it's those very things that are being revealed in my heart that are holding me back from walking in the fullness of what God has created me for and to do. And if I can just be humble... If I can just let go of me and my ambition, my ways, if you'll just do this, just, we just repent. Lord, we repent for having a root of pride in our lives.
We repent for having selfish ambition. Holy Spirit, I ask that you begin to awaken dreams in every one of your children. We are your sheep, and your word says that your sheep hear your voice. Holy Spirit, I pray that you just give us the boldness and the courage and the confidence to just lean into you more than we do our own insecurities. That we lay down every insecurity, every lie from the pit of hell that tells us we can't do something, we're not good enough. The shame, the letters of shame, the scroll of shame that begins to roll before our face because of the things that Satan himself is reminding us of what we've done, but yet you've forgiven us from. Father, in this series, I just pray for a fresh wind of revelation over every one of your children in this room today. I pray that you awaken your people to destiny. That in the midst of the focal point of pain, a picture of purpose is beginning to develop to mushroom, to cloud up, to spring forth. And I just pray for a level of faith. Father, your word says that faith comes by hearing. And I pray that your children really start to tune in to hearing what it is that you have for their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.